Big Tech's ordinance has everything from complete firearms to OEM and aftermarket parts. If you're looking to put together your first AR-15, they have everything from those parts that you need to the tools that are going to be essential. If you're looking for suppressors, night vision, handheld lights, weapon lights, sights or optics, you name it, Big Tech's has it all. Not only that, they're offering all those brands that we like. Go visit them at BigTechsOrdinance.com. Filster makes awesome holsters, but not only that, they also happen to be one of those companies that are trendsetters. A lot of their designs are emulated by other companies. Not only does Filster make those holsters, but they also provide concealment systems like the Enigma, the Flex. They also have a lot of solutions when it comes to concealment solutions for medical. If you need to have a concealment first aid kit, they happen to sell them. Check them out at filsterholster.com. Join Primary Arms Government on September 10th for their third annual First Responder Range Day, hosted in Pasadena, Texas. This event connects law enforcement professionals with leading industry brands, all while enjoying local food and event activities. In addition to live fire demos, this year's event will feature axe throwing, archery challenges, t-shirt printing, product raffles, and more. If you're an active law enforcement professional or other first responder, RSVP today by visiting primaryarms.com government. Walther is the performance leader in the firearms industry, renowned throughout the world for its innovation since Carl Walther and his son Fritz created the first blowback semi-automatic pistol in 1908. Today, the innovative spirit builds off the invention of the concealed carry gun with the PPK series by creating the PPQ, PPS, and the Q5 match steel frame series. Military, police, and other government security groups in every country of the world have rely on the high-quality craftsmanship and rugged durability of Walther products. Walther continues its long tradition of technical expertise and innovation in the design and production of firearms. For more information, visit WalterArms.com. Hey everyone, Matt Lanfer here with Primary and Secondary. Welcome to Modcast. Today is September 13th, 2022. The episode number is 313, Upsetting Police Policy. There have been some interesting police policies that have been in the news. We're going to talk about them. It's going to be a great discussion. I'm looking forward to it. Matter of fact, we already had the conversation. We're recording this at the end, so there. Uh, my background's in law enforcement. Been doing the cop thing since last century. Uh, don't know if there's something else that I could have done better or not better. Yeah, I know I could have done things better. I don't know if there's something I would have done other than being a cop. Uh, my wife seems to think that I should be a school teacher, but we'll see. Yeah, retirement is quickly coming up. Um, yeah, policy stuff, stuff that we deal with on a daily basis. And it's interesting to see the where it intersects with the public and the perceptions and yeah, you're going to be in for a great discussion with us today. We have a very special guest. We, we actually have been talking for two and a half hours so far. Um, we have Brian. Give us your background. Is this my cue? I guess it is. Oh, okay. So uh, I grew up in a gun shop from 87 to 89. Uh, I could name you every Smith and Wesson model number and dash number when I was like seven to nine years old. Uh, after that, my dad was a cop. My aunt was a cop. My uncle was a cop. And I was like, I want to be a cop, but they're, they're putting all this emphasis on college. So I went to the military because why not? Right. Be different. Um, out there in the military, got into the competition shooting circles. And I used to shoot with a bunch of guys pre-internet, like 
with the names of like Harrington and Lamb and Vickers and uh, Green and Langdon and all the the guys you had to read about in magazines back yep. then, right? Um, and it influenced me to be like part of the 1911 community and the training community and the shooting community. Uh, moved back to Oklahoma, became a cop. I've been there for 20 years, hopefully not much more. Hopefully not much more. I'll repeat that. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've just been on this journey of like, how do I get better? How do I make my peers better? How do I make yeah. myself better? Uh, how do I get people better prepared for the one incident that's going to yeah. define the rest of their life? Uh, and fortunately, you know, I've got a good, lot of good assets. Uh, I'm an FTA member way back in ancient history. Like I went to army ranger school and aerosol school and jump school and all that cool stuff and never fired a shot in anger. So thank you to our vets that deployed in GWAT. I got out just before it. Um, and then, yeah, I've just been kind of Joe average cop. I've got a podcast called the off duty on duty podcast, and I am co-owner of EDC belt company, edcbeltco.com the foundation belt the most comfortable functional concealed carry belt uh we have a website we sell a lot of belts we got a lot of great customers thank you very much uh i will sometime matt you'll have to get me on and i will tell you how that company came to me happily um, yeah it's a it's a lot of fun it's a really interesting story so uh yeah that's me in a nutshell and i'm so glad to be joined by my oklahoma brother warren wilson so, Warren. Well, I'm Warren Wilson. Um, I've been a cop since 96. I was a small town cop here in the town, in the little suburb I live in, and now I'm at the big city of Enid, Oklahoma, population of 50,000 people or so. And I'm the captain of the training division, and I do a little bit of uh, do a little farms instruction for my department as much as I can get away with and uh, do a lot of gateway instruction on the side. I really get a kick out of that. I volunteer at several events around so uh big gun guy big uh love cop stuff and really uh had a really good time on uh, being on these podcasts i appreciate matt for letting me come on oh yeah anytime dave uh so i've been a cop for less time than the other guys on this panel just <laughs> nine just nine years for me that's all just nine yeah, just nine you know i started late what can i say late bloomer right uh so i do I do FTO stuff. I do uh, firearms instruction. I'm a DRE instructor um, on our special ops. And that's just cop stuff. I do a bunch of other crap too. Matt's been the victim of my photography a time or two. Yeah. No, no <laughs> complaints. Yeah. In uh, past lives, I've uh, managed some stuff. I've worked for an engineering firm, all sorts of interesting things. But none of that applies to tonight's discussion. Tonight's discussion is cop stuff. Though at a two point it does, it does apply as a, as a citizen. Well, fair, fair. Yeah. Well, should we talk about some topics, some fun topics that are in the news right now that are upsetting people for dumb reasons? Absolutely. I mean, isn't, yeah. isn't that what, isn't that what we do as primary and secondary? We piss people off. That's the mean, idea. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. So do we start with the one that pisses off the public and we're looking at it and going, you know, that doesn't seem bad. Or should we go the one that the public's looking at and they don't quite understand why it's so bad? 
Okay, so, so are we going Ohio or are we going Illinois first? Let, do let's Ohio first because yeah, I'm let's do Ohio first. Am I like okay educated about that? So Columbus, Columbus, Columbus uh, Police Department. The chief put out a memo, basically telling we have this new policy. The policy is warrant service will be restricted where nonviolent felonies and misdemeanors will not be served at private residences between the hours of, was it? 10 p.m. to 10? 6 a.m. It was? Okay, yeah. So when I read that, I thought, well, this makes a lot of sense. There are multiple types of warrants that most of the public isn't aware of because we have our arrest warrants, we have our search warrants. I don't know if it necessarily highlights which one or all, to me, it makes sense. Well, maybe all, because do we really need to have a search warrant during those times for a misdemeanor? Or do we need to really knock down, knock on someone's door at midnight because someone has a traffic ticket or a traffic warrant? So uh, one of the things I've been bringing up, and it actually seems to have died down, the inherent dangers of warrant service. That warrant service, especially after hours, has the potential of da for danger for all parties involved to include neighbors. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people seem to neglect to realize. Brian, what were your thoughts on that? So misdemeanor warrants, uh, the best I can tell for the last 20 years, have always been 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, traffic warrants, et cetera. So you, you had to have some judge's guidance for post 10 p.m. service right uh i've never met a cop that that pulled the warrant hot sheet and went you know what at 3 30 in the morning we're gonna go serve these guys their their speeding one to ten tickets that they have even paid. the board ones even the board cops aren't gonna do that no no uh, and if i could jump in for a second go ahead. Let, let's be clear. When we say warrant service, we don't mean a person, a police officer happens to interact with out in public. We're talking yes. about serving a warrant at somebody's residence. Right. And, and that's something that the public, uh, because of media ignorance or whatever, they get twisted. Right. Uh, and, and the bottom line is, as long as I've been a cop, misdemeanors were 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. service, meaning if I happened on you in the course of my duties and I just happened to run your name and you just happened to have a warrant, we're you going to jail. Morning. Right. We're going to jail. If I know that you're in a residence and I know that you have a warrant, I'm not going to knock on the front door after 10 PM period. Um, which is, which is fair. It's never been an issue. Nonviolent felonies. I have no heartache with that yeah. at all. Uh, now granted, I, I'm a very conservative person, but I have pretty liberal leaning views on a lot of police interaction stuff, which I think a lot of us adopt once we crest the 10 year hump, uh, and uh, even warrant service for felonies and violent felonies. I don't really see a need to drop somebody's door and go in and get them after dark, after the lights go out. Uh, to me, if it's oh, that- Wait a minute, but they're asleep. We can get them then. Yeah, if it's that important, 
What if Wait we till get noon the next day when they get up to buy their Funyuns or whatever and pick them off on traffic. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Funyuns, not, not the brand, the, the, the item. So I don't have any issue with that at all. Um, one of my favorite, and I will confess this as a rookie cop, one of my favorite things to do was every, every holiday that I had to work, I would go pull the felony warrant sheet because everybody's home for the holidays. Yeah. Right. I mean, how many of us didn't do that? Uh, but there again, I'm not going and kicking people's doors in. Yeah. It, it It's knock on the door. Hey, is, is so-and-so here? Yeah. He's got to come with me. Sorry about your Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I'll take but, a doggy bag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I had some modicum of success at that and it was a real jerk thing to do looking back on it. But, uh, but the flip side of it is when I saw that come out, I went, all they've done is formalized and put into place what guys are doing anyway. Uh, you know, no cop in his right mind is going to go, I got a guy with four unpaid traffic tickets in that condo right there. I need to go kick their door and go get them. No. Uh, now, if somebody is using that for probable cause to get to other things, go talk to a judge. It ain't that freaking hard. Like, hey, uh, this guy's got four unpaid traffic tickets, and we believe he's involved in child trafficking because of X, Y, and Z, which then becomes a search warrant. Anyway. Yeah, X, Y, and yeah. Z probably already has sufficient justification. Right. So – what I'm getting at is uh, they formalized a policy to essentially affect zero change and appease the public mindset. That's all it is. So one of the things I wondered when I read about it was, are there officers that are being dumbasses? Well, yes. And it's three in the morning and we're going to go and serve these warrants. Well, yes. <laughs> the reason why is because police officers are made up of the public and of the public, a certain segment is dumbasses. So some police officers are going to be dumbasses. And also, I, I do want to make sure that we at least address the fact that this does not mean that officers cannot make arrests. This doesn't mean that officers can't re respond to in progress things. In progress doesn't require a warrant. We just go. A warrant or you? I got to ask, not, I'm not hijacking your show, Matt, but no, no, no. Warren, are you in a no, supervisory position? I'm at the captain over training right now. So I'm not, you were talking about being a meter maid. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> right. So at this point, so you spent some degree of time as a, uh, as a field supervisor, right? Oh yeah. So if me, Brian E came to you and said, Hey boss, that dude in there's got three unpaid one to tens. <laughs> yeah, hell no. And no, that's something like, we've always dealt with. Here, right, it's and not, it's 1130, you'd have went what? Yeah, just, go, go 10, eight and take some calls. Get out of my face, yeah. all right? Go drive around, try to find, find a bad guy that's out in public. If they, if his wife calls us again, like she usually does, we'll, we'll arrest him when we get done with their domestic. That's another thing, yeah. Okay, so we're at their house because there's a domestic. He has warrants. Guess what? Oh. This isn't warrant service. We're already in contact with them. Right. Exactly. You know, actually, actually, with that, I have a question. Uh oh. So in, in West Virginia, we have the, the traffic stuff aside. We have misdemeanors that don't have potential jail time, just penalties, ju mm -hmm. just like financial penalties. Like civil So with that, here. 
okay, so so you actually have warrants that are signed by a judge that say like that say like nine to five or nine to four, uh, just like right on the front sheet of the warrant, like it can only be served during business hours. So we have those two. We should probably bring those up. And even if we come across somebody after hours, if they have one of those warrants, kind of go like, hey, man, like go by the courthouse and take care of this. You, you, I can't arrest you on it, but you have an active warrant. So if you apply for a job some, somewhere, they're not going to hire you because they're going to say you have an active warrant. What the hell? Like like a child support warrant? You ever yeah. run into those? I'm sure. Yeah. Or, or yeah. like a truancy warrant because their kid doesn't go to school or like there's, there's a number, there's a number of things that don't carry potential incarceration. So it's just the nine to five. Yeah. Uh, Warren can probably back me up on this one. I've had a child support warrant that, the, that the judge's order said nine to five Monday through Friday, Friday, mm-hmm. you can, they can serve that. Anything they you want can, on the front of those things. Right. And yeah. it was, it was for you. It wasn't something for you to serve. It was actually, you're the the person being addressed. Yeah, no, thankfully, <laughs> oh, okay. thankfully, but no. I mean, I I knew of a a, a suspect that had uh, you know he's a petty criminal, but he had a child support warrant, and I worked graveyards, and I ran into this guy. I can't tell you how many times just in the course of business that I'm like, dude, have you ever gone to the courthouse? And he's like, no, man, they'll lock me up. I got a job. And I'm like, well, somebody's going to figure out where your job is. And, but the judge had specified nine to five Monday through Friday. And every time I ran into him, it was like Friday night at midnight. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, you got an $8,000 child support warrant that I, I can't affect an arrest on. Yeah. Um, And then like six months later, there's a little caveat. I call it the judge's caveat underneath it that said, Unless contacted in the course of police duties. Oh, and it was like, you're that mine, was just, pal. That was just for you. They added that just for you. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> nobody could, fi- he was self-employed. Nobody could figure out what he did or where he was Drugs. between those hours. Uh, uh, but there Finance. again, it was a fines and costs warrant, right? So yeah. I'm not going to kick the guy's front door in for that. Like, With that though, the, the way you just described that before they add the little caveat, I see that as an opportunity to be the cool cop and I say, talk to the guy. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to take you in. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. Um, as opposed to kind of being a hard ass or at least showing, trying to be portray yourself as a hard ass. No, this is an opportunity. You can just talk to the guy man to man and say, Hey, this is what's going on. That's just me. Hey, Warren, are you guys running body cameras all the time? Yep. Okay. How much discernment has body cameras taken away? Quite a bit of that because they're afraid of getting second-guessed about everything. And so there's really a lot less, um, there's a lot less that, well, I'll just put this into evidence and you're going to, you know, start making phone calls and let me know when stuff's going on. And then we'll talk about it. There's a little bit less of that here and there, I think. Because the guys are afraid they're going to get in, you know, get in trouble for that kind of thing. The um, on the other end of it, we're getting less complaints because everybody knows they can't lie. <laughs> right. We're getting almost none. Yeah one one of the things I've run into is, uh, it, you know, I, I I'm not confessing to any sins as I'm still an active <laughs> officer, but 
you know, you, you run into a guy in the middle of middle of the night uh, that's trying to pick up his kid on a domestic or something. And you go, okay, he's got, he's got a traffic ticket for not maintaining insurance from five years ago. And I go, okay, you got current insurance. All right. Hey man, you need to call public safety or whoever the commission is. You probably need to get that taken care of because you have a fines and costs worn out and I could take you to jail, but here you are trying to be a good dad. Yep. I'm not going to hook you up for that. Uh, or any other, and we can, you know, war game that to pieces, but the ability to be like, Hey dude, like you got two traffic tickets and you're out here on whatever street at three o'clock in the morning, probably not a good idea because if you didn't run into me, the rookie cop over there is going to put you in jail on the flip side. And with body cameras, a lot of that is, well, you bought the ticket, you're riding the ride. Uh, the flip side of that is, you know, when I was a very young cop and work in a particular sector of town, uh, I would have people call in from pay phones, if anybody remembers what those are, and go, it's cold outside and I got two city warrants. Nice. Yeah. And I would go, you want to go? Yeah, man. What are the, what? I'll never forget. Uh, what are they serving at County tonight? Yeah. Uh, bologna and cheese, I think. Okay. I get him down there and they were serving biscuits and gravy and he was pissed. But the bottom line is I was like, well, at least you're better off here than you are there. Um, but with the body camera thing, it's taken a lot of that ability to be discerning away because the policy manual says you shall, you shall, you shall, as opposed to you may, you may, you may, right? So I've yeah, had a lot on, on the warrant thing, just a couple things real quick. It, it, you know, we really, you got to make sure, you know, you know, your own stuff. Uh, Brian, you remember when the statute, the Oklahoma statute said you could kick somebody's door down for a misdemeanor and it was in the statute. You could do it, but there's case law that said, no, you can't. And they yeah. didn't change that statute for a decade. Yeah. After that case law came down. And then we'll also have municipal judges, uh, just city court judges, and they'll they'll put day and day or night on their on their on their city warrants. We don't have anything but misdemeanor city warrants in this state. Uh, so you really got to know your own your own stuff because sometimes a judge won't know. You and there's some judges that our guys have gone to in the past, and I mean a long time ago because I haven't dealt with anybody in forever that have gone to a certain judge because they know they can talk them into signing something, and that's not really something you want to get into, <laughs> you know. You want to make sure you know exactly what you're doing and not not be fudging anything. So I just want to throw that in there real quick. Yeah, I, I remember those days well uh, because our department's policy didn't reflect what the state law was. And, it, and you know, rookie cops resented it. Well, I could go kick that guy's door if I wanted to. And I'm like, do you want to be on the 5 o'clock news talking about how you just busted somebody's door over a traffic fine and the policy will be named after you yeah and, and maybe you're right maybe the law will back you up but the civil court and case law will not and uh you know i work for a large enough agency that that's never been a huge issue right but it has come to fruition a couple of times and you know i won't cite specific cases or anything like that but 
but I, I can remember those days when, Hey, this guy's got a bogus check warrant. It, it It's midnight. I know he's home. His car's parked in the driveway and I'm like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> and it was a felony at $51 for the longest time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when, when I hired on and they raised that to $500 and people said, we'll never make another arrest again. We'll never, we'll never be able to arrest people again. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. Here I'm thinking <laughs> 500 is a that. felony. That's all. It was 50 bucks for when I, when I first started until like 2008 one. or nine, 10, when was it? It was like, Oh, one, they changed some 01? of the misdemeanors, like the white collar misdemeanors to 500. But like prior to 01, it was like 50 bucks, 50 bucks. And that's checks, uh, fraud. Everything was Quick checks. What, what's a check? Hot check. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Who does that? You know, I, I'll, I'll throw this one out there. Uh, you know, I had a family member that worked for a district attorney's office that part of their attorney's offices were funded by bogus check fines. Mm -hmm. And all yeah. of a sudden, never was bogus checks. That's yeah. how we fund it. Yeah. And, and they're like, uh, we've only collected a hundred bucks in fines this year because nobody writes freaking checks anymore. Right. And it was like, well, we, we got to figure out how to like adjust for inflation. PayPal. <laughs> PayPal. Right. Like. And Venmo and a lot of people, WhatsApp. you know, the, uh, we, we say the wheels of justice turn slow. They're grind slow, right? The gears of justice grind slow, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, how long did it take us to change the law on no state driver's license to where that was not an arrestable offense? It was a citable yeah. offense. Well, like 40 freaking years. And, and yeah, you know, I don't know anybody that did that. I don't know any, any cops that actually enforced enforce that really, but. It was it was kind of goofy because we, we weren't a member of the non-resident violators compact for some time. And there was a while where California wasn't a member after we were. Right. And we couldn't we, we couldn't honor their licenses. It was really weird. Mm -hmm. Or weren't supposed to anyway. I didn't take anybody to jail for that. You know, and we've got 50 states, and you're supposed to know the regulations for 50 states. And where it came uh, where it came to head for me was uh military. Cause we've got a large air force base yeah. and I'm like, here's a kid that's probably been on deployment for two and a half years. And he didn't pay his, he, he sold his car and dropped his insurance. And now that state's department of public safety that says he has to maintain it. Like I got to know their regulations BS. Okay. His license is suspended out of California. Does that mean I have to arrest him in Oklahoma for uh, this dude's been over in GWAT for two years? That's, that's crap. Yeah. Um, and one of the problems I see with body cameras is I can't just go, well, that's crap. Get out of here. Go back to the base and go, you know, go party on the base. Bye. Uh, I've got to go. Oh, now I've got to research the California licensing commission statute on <laughs> You know, it, as opposed to, man, I don't know. Have a good night. Take care. Be good. <laughs> don't like go back to the base. Don't crash car. Have a good night. Like that, that aspect has kind of gone away. Right. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, Warren's uh, spot on on that. So, well, similarly with dumb laws, 
Well, maybe not everyone will find this to be dumb. In Missouri, it was legal to kill Mormons until June of 1976. So, I I didn't ever read about the Great Mormon Massacre of 75. (laughs) Well, if there was body cam and you ran into a a Mormon, you just have to shoot him right there. You're here in violation of law. You didn't shoot him. Yeah, some of my very dear friends are very devout Mormons, and it's like... Yeah, I've seen some of those laws. I mean, you know, there were there were laws on the o- the Oklahoma books, and Warren, you probably remember this about riding a horse through downtown mm. after the hours of such and such was a felony punishable by like one year in prison. Yeah, we had some funny ones on the book, and we still do. They just don't put them in the in the book that we all use. But so they're still, still on the book. They are there. on the books, just not in the books. They're- on the books and in the books and around the books and somewhere in the library. If you go to the legal library at your DA's office, you can find a lot of cool stuff. Unless you have like real stuff to do. So for yeah. those of you that are listening at home, whether you're <laughs> on your commute or whatever, go to go visit your local legal library and look up funny laws. Let us know. Tell them we sent you. Yeah. Like, subscribe, <laughs> share. Whatever. We won't even get into this. The, uh, uh, fornication laws of Oklahoma up until what it, I don't know. Some of them are Last still month. in the books. That was at, at most ten years ago. Yeah, when when that got taken off, that finally got got um, repealed, and it was just a matter of getting it done. But it was just like we were doing a Q and A thing at, at a law deal one time, or at a, a legal update deal, and this guy's like, the DA was like, uh, "All right, well, how many laws did this guy break?" And he told us a story, and we're like, "Well, two. And he goes, "No, six. You forgot about fornication. You forgot about sodomy. You forgot about like, holy crap, that's not illegal. And like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Like, well, it's on the books, but it's not illegal. And he said, yeah, it is. Just case law says you can't do it. Right. I I remember going through the police academy and being like, man, I committed, I broke like six laws last night. Thank God I didn't know this before the polygraph. Thank God nobody was looking in my window. The number of times I have said that, (laughs) <laughs> like researching law, like, boy, I am glad I didn't, I didn't know this stuff because just, you know, the, the innocence of, of youth, you're like, you do a bunch of stuff that, phew, man. And that's all just by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, by his self, not by my. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> State police. Uh, gosh, ouch. Yeah. Well, like, well, like for us, Every traffic offense that doesn't have a specified penalty in its subsection goes to the generic offense code for all traffic offenses, which is up to a $500 fine and up to 10 days in jail. So every traffic offense in my state, which doesn't have a specified penalty, you can arrest somebody for. Do we do it? No, we don't, because it's ridiculous. But it's just a matter of someone with the proper means who hasn't been arrested and challenged it and caused the legislature to actually do something about it. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, if I had sex outside of the missionary position, I probably got it. Could have gotten three to five. Shame, shame, shame. I, uh, I, I healed it by the way. I took a wreck a couple weeks ago and I was trying to figure out, okay, so what's going to be the best code for this? And I pinged off a coworker. Like, okay, this is the situation. What do you think? And I thought of an old code 
which I don't know why they got rid of got rid of it. Improper lookout. I thought, oh, improper lookout. That's perfect. Look in the code. Why is that not there anymore? Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes these changes to laws don't make sense because that would have been such a good law to or such a good code to use. Oh well. But but a lot of it is based on context. Um, yep. You know, I, I understand looking back at like Oklahoma State statute, why it might not have been a good idea to ride a horse through Main Street at, at midnight because maybe that's where the local church was that let out at midnight after their Shiite Pentecostal revival or whatever you call it. And and they go, oh, we, somebody ran over Sally May's third daughter with a horse. They Again. Do something about it. Again, right. So, and that stuff sets in the statute and it just festers for years. Uh, when I hired on to, into law enforcement, Oklahoma's law was like, you couldn't own an, uh, a, an automatic opening knife and it wasn't really clearly defined. And, and then like 2008, 2010, they were like, that's stupid. Like, why should we make an exemption for law enforcement to have a spring-loaded knife when, you know, or brass knuckles? You couldn't even own brass knuckles in this state legally unless you were a collector. It's a paperweight. Right, and, and unless you were a collector. Well, what defines a collector? And you look through the statute and you go, there's no definition of collector here. Um, now, the state had to preempt gun stuff at one point, and they had to preempt all knife stuff because cops were – arresting people for having a pocket knife that's more than six inches open. Well, that's every pocket knife out there. Right. Let's didn't do that kind of dumb shit, but some of them did. And that's why they had to do it. I mean, what a, what a dumb law. It's like, you can carry a handgun, but by God, don't you carry a knife that's over, over six inches long. You know, it's just, it's just so stupid. Yeah, right. Just, when, when I was a brand new rookie cop, I walked in to do a, uh, exotic entertainment, establishment uh compliance check which is code for the boss man wants to take you to the dive bar titty bar right yeah and we walk in and he goes how many felonies do you see in here i'm like excuse me and he goes well that guy's carrying a buck knife like a fixed blade buck knife what's the rule on a fixed blade knife and i'm like four inches and he goes you think that looks like four inches hey do you think that girl has pasties on and i went what's well, a pasty He's like, oh, well, they can't show their nipples, but they can put a, you know what I'm saying? There was a lot of this contextual stuff out there. And I went, oh my God, I can arrest anybody in here. And he goes, exactly. That's my point. Not only that, but now you know what you've been wearing, what the actual name is that they're called pasties. <laughs> right. A little latex cover. Yeah. But, but the point of the exercise pre-body camera was everybody in here is subject to arrest. So if anybody steps out of line and you need to crack them over the knee with a, a baton and throw them in jail, you automatically have an arrestable offense. So since they're not causing any problems and in the midst of this, he goes, that girl just put that guy's thing in her mouth, go get her and him and let's get out of here. And I went, holy welcome to police work, Batman. But, <laughs> but the bottom line was he's like, there is a statute that we can arrest every single person in here. We just don't because they're a little bit antiquated. They know that we know that 
that's why they don't step out of line and we don't enforce. And as the, uh, as the legislatures have convened and revamped a lot of these laws, what I see is it's taken away some of the arrest powers of the police, which I'm okay with, like, I don't like to be bothered, but, uh, but the flip side of it is it, it's given us way less leverage to enforce things. So, so there's, you know, for every positive, there's a negative for every, you know, for every win, there's a loss. Right. Uh, but the evolution of police work in the last 20 years has been pretty accelerated in the last four to five. Right. Um, one of my goals with this specific episode is for us to have the exact conversation we're having right now to show people cops aren't just out to go and arrest everyone that's out there. Uh, and also to provide a little bit of not, not only context, but perspective, especially on these two goofy things, the Ohio thing and the Illinois thing. Um, I'm hoping that people are getting this, that are understanding, you know what? Yeah, we're, we, actually don't want to just arrest everyone despite what the media might say. Yeah. So I think pretty much everybody on the panel on the Ohio thing, like Warren, I, I mean, you've been in ad, admin roles and command roles. Do you see any issue with that? No, it's the same thing we've been doing. Nothing, right. nothing different for us. Uh, uh, all we did was, some agency formalized it and made a press release and said, look at us. We're, we're progressive. I mean, the only time we would ever do anything at night was when it's a crazy, uh, crazy situation. And we have to be able to prove in Oklahoma that not only is it exigent enough, you have to do it right now. Also, you have to be able to prove that you are almost certain that item or that person is in there. You can't just go, okay, this address, this is where the guy lives. Can't do that. So I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it at all. Really. It's just, well, like you said, you're codifying what's already in the law. Yeah. It reflects case law. Mm -hmm. At least for us. And ultimately, you, David, oh. you're a new, like David, I'm, I'm seeing you on zoom and you look substantially younger than Warren and I, he's 12. He's 13. -ish. Wow. wow. I am 40. So probably. <laughs> You got me by a couple of years. It's cool. But, but, um, so, so I'm about to enter my 10th year in law enforcement. I, I started much later than a lot of people do, but, uh, good on you. But, but we're like where I am, we have all the three letter agencies. And I'm so used to like all the federal stuff and everything. Even, even like the feds have been doing it's either midnight to six or, or, or 10 PM to 6 AM. Like they don't, they don't serve warrants. They've been doing that forever. Mm -hmm. That's been a thing forever. And my department doesn't specify. However, we try to use a little common sense. And when we're training people, we also say, Hey, you know, what's the liability you're creating for the state and for the general public versus the necessity to arrest this person who's committed a crime. And you have to balance that. God, that was gold. Hey, Matt, that, that dude's statement was gold right there. It's because it's Dave. That. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, I'll apologize in advance, David. Uh, I don't watch <laughs> a lot of the modcast because I have my own podcast. And, and ours are eight hours long. <laughs> yeah. And, and like 
by the time I'm done editing, the last time, the last thing I want to do is, is listen to a podcast. So, but I have caught a couple of, of Matt's podcast here. What do you call them? Modcast? Modcast. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was solid gold right there. Like you have to balance everything. Uh, I will never forget the day that I roll into the lineup room. I was a graveyards officer for quite a while. And they're like, hey, uh, we're not taking you on any warrants anymore. And I went, why? Because I was always the guy they defaulted to for warrants because they're like, oh, you're a shooter, dude. You're going through the door first. Uh, And it was, well, we're really limiting nighttime service. I'm like, okay. And then I would get called in at five o'clock in the morning as I'm working a graveyard shift and go, we're briefing a warrant for 6 a.m. Because guess what, you know, you know, homeboy and his friends aren't going to be awake at that time. And when we break and rake their windows, we're probably not going to have much of a fight. And I went, oh, okay, cool. So, uh, but I remember that, that paradigm shift happening in about probably when Warren could probably pin the timeline down, but it was probably like 05-ish, 06-ish when they got really strict on drug warrants, not going before from six to 10 PM. And, and my agency went, okay, well, at 601 AM, you can hit all the drug warrants you want. Yep. We would do two just to make sure. (laughs) Just to make sure. Well, that itself was an issue also that was interesting to read people's comments, drug warrants. Okay. Rescuing dope might be a thing of the past. Yep. It's not really something that's not might not might. Yeah. Finally. And I hate to be the liberal voice on the, but should be, should be. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so like part of part of, I appreciate the solid gold comment, but I'm in like full (laughs) FTO mode right now. So, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but, with, but with regular warrants and, and I'm on our special ops and when we serve warrants, it's like our job is to secure the premises and to secure the people. If evidence gets destroyed, the people who are investigating can deal with it. If it doesn't get destroyed, great. But our job is to secure the premises, not to rescue drugs. Awesome. Yeah, so we waited entirely too long to stop doing that. On yep. my team, that was after I left in 2012, and I was just—it's just dumb. It's just—it's just a dumb thing to go kicking down warrants to save dope. Well, let's—I don't even know if we talked about that. Why don't we talk about the risks involved with warrant service, oh, both during the day and at night? So, actually, let, yeah, let's talk about the the less less risky day and why it might be less risky. Now, Brian, I know you were excited about talking about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talk. Okay, so day. Um, all the resources are available. <clears throat> all the resources are there. The detectives are there from eight to four. Medical resources uh, are heavily, heavily staffed. Available. Heavily staffed, right? Uh, so when I look at a warrant, and I, I don't do them anymore, but for years, I was the I was the guy that the the guys that wrote the warrant would go. That dude's a shooter. Come on, um, 
for years. I mean, hundreds of them. And my thoughts on it are this, it's a seizure, right? Well, what does the Supreme Court consider a use of deadly force? It's the ultimate seizure, correct? Right? That's it, it, We're seizing a human life through that use of force, right? So anything I can do to avoid seizing human life would be considered reasonable, right? Uh, I've been on a warrant where we hit a wrong house. Mm. That is an uncomfortable feeling, A, because I didn't write the warrant. It wasn't my screw up. But guess what? I'm going to deal with all the fallout from it. Uh, but I looked at that as, okay, if I'm going to execute a warrant with this warrant team that has established probable cause, et cetera, et cetera, my job in this may be to ultimately seize human life. Yep. And any way I can get to mitigate that, I'm yep. okay with. So no-knock warrants. Oh, we have a 10, whole podcast about that. Yeah. At, yeah. At, at 10 p.m., if I'm in my my beautiful condo in downtown Oklahoma City and somebody knocks on my door and says, please search warrant, what's my response? You better tell me who you are right now, and I better recognize your badge number and voice and name. If I'm a criminal or maybe a petty criminal, what's my response to that? Is somebody trying to jack me? Yep. Are they saying they're the cops out there? So you've automatically in, input a defense for legal justification of your home just by the fact that it's after dark, you're knocking on my door claiming you're the police. At two o'clock in the afternoon, police search warrant. What justification do you have to go? Well, that ain't right. Well, maybe you do have some, but at two o'clock in the morning, you have zero justification as the cop to go. I, I couldn't be mistaken for a burglar. Right. Right, because I mean, I mean, because so far off base here, but yeah, because criminals have never victimized other criminals by pretending to be the police, including dressing up in tack gear and stuff that says police on it. Yeah, the tack gear you can buy on eBay right now right. actually says popo. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I I had a come to Jesus meeting with a security guard that wore that wore a ball cap that said in little bitty letters a motor vehicle company that starts with an F and uh, might've ended with Ord police in big letters. And that was like how he ran around. And I'm like, dude, that ain't kosher, bro. Like you're pretending to be me, but bottom line, I look at, uh, and I hate to bring up the Brianna Taylor thing because that's I, the example I think of. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about that case to really go with it, but I go a no knock warrant is a bad plan. Uh, and I have a real heartache with no knock warrants, especially when, if something is so important that I'm going to devote assets to it, why don't I secure the perimeter with surveillance and wait for them to leave and then pick them off one at a time and go, anybody else in there? Yeah. My girlfriend's in there. Okay. Hey, we're going to go knock on the door and say, Hey, it's us. We're coming into search. Some, some counties and towns don't have those, that amount of assets. So I get it, but I still, 
I have a real heartache with no knock warrants. I have a real heartache with no knock after dark warrants. Yep. Uh, so, so Brian, if I could play a little devil's ad- yeah. advocate for a second. So one of the things you were saying was, was have surveillance and pick them off as they leave, which is, which is a very valid tactic in certain situations. But mm-hmm. if the person is known to pose a risk to the public because they are armed and might shoot it out in public, or they're going to, they're going to cause some sort of big pursuit thing, all that has to be taken into account. And someone who's looking at, again, the liability of the situation, because we have to look at that. It's not just, it's not just a dog chasing a ball. Like people would have it represented. We have to consider the totality, the circumstances. So sometimes that might be the better plan. Sometimes it might be a better plan to have your target secured in a residence or in a shed or wherever they, you know, wherever they happen to be and keep them there and try and get them there. Maybe, but uh, I always default back to the ultimate seizure is the seizure of human life, right? So I go, anything I can do to, to mitigate the risk of me having to make the ultimate seizure is worth the expense. Uh, and if that means at the be, it, it, I don't mean to say at the behest, but at, by sacrificing potential evidence, is that worth a human life? Right. So no, I absolutely look. I agree with you there. I go, if somebody's pinned up in a house, okay, he's a barricaded suspect. I will sit there. I'll cut his utilities. I'll cut his water. I'll cut everything off and go. You can walk out here, or not, and we'll sit here as long as it takes to get you out of that house. Because if you have enough justification to go execute a no-knock warrant. Do you not think you have enough justification to set out there for three or four days until they come out? Do you not have enough evidence already to do that? So, and I look at the the danger to the public aspect of it. Hey, go put a a spike strip, go disable the vehicle, go, go do anything you have to do to avoid putting me and my brothers through that front door period. Uh, And that's how I, but if I was a three or four year cop, I'd be like, oh, let's kick the door. Yeah. Let's, get, go, let's go right now. Let's go throw bangers in and let's go do And, and, uh, that's another thing I learned with, uh, when I came on the methamphetamine laboratory clandestine laboratory thing was a factor on every single warrant. You know what we did? Whoop. Smells like paint thinner. Set out here. <laughs> let's set out here until those people either c- cease living or come to us. Because it's not worth me, my partner, the neighbors. When I go in there and I might have to shoot somebody and get a pass through that hits the neighbor. So, you know, I, I always default back to the ultimate seizure is human life. And if we can avoid making that seizure, let's avoid it. Uh, regardless of what the cost is to an administrator's bottom line. Uh, and, and if it's not so important to them, then why are we doing it in the first place? Right. Yep. If they're not willing to vote the, the time, the manpower power and the resources to do it with minimal risk to a, the public be the suspect, then why are we even doing it in the first place? Uh, so that, that's just my thoughts on it. So, but you made a great point. I mean, Hey, if that dude's a danger to society, 
well, let's get his neighbors away from him and see how dangerous he is to all of us. And if we don't have those assets, then, then why are we, why do we even bother? <laughs> right. So. That's what it's all wordy. about. I feel gotta, wordy, Matt. You got to do. So, <laughs> yeah. So you're at a disadvantage because you've only seen a couple episodes, if any. Um, I no, I'm, I'm all about listening because I, I enjoy hearing other perspectives. I mean, really, we've made these things much more concise. They used to be six or seven hours at times. And people snore and they get drunk and yeah, <laughs> that hasn't happened for a few years. Don't judge me. Yeah. <laughs> now we're, we're just starting. It's only been an hour. Um, the one thing that people need to bear in mind also with all this stuff, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about just a little earlier before we specifically talked about some dangers with warrants is where do the laws come from? And, and what era did they come from? What were the standards? And yeah, and I don't know if everyone necessarily recognizes that there are laws that change. So marijuana, that's a law, marijuana law. And I, and I just like saying it like that marijuana laws have clearly changed because cultures are changing. Is that a bad thing? I don't think it is. I'm, I might be in the minority as far within law enforcement, but eh, I don't care. Um, but ultimately, we, we as a society need to make we need to do these checks and make sure our laws are in line with what our expectations of our our, our lifestyle are. And uh, along with that also is to make sure our representation is accurately representing us. And so we, we could so easily go into gun control right now and talk about how, yeah, we have these politicians that are pushing all this gun control stuff that we don't want, and it does not represent us, but I, we're not going to go there. Uh, should we go to the Illinois thing or should we do you want to talk a little bit more about this, about warrant stuff? What do you guys think? We covered it. Yeah. I, I, I think well, more people yeah. than property. People are more important than property. Yes. Yes. That kind and of- that includes the suspects. Oh, Absolutely. My question is, is evidence more important than people or suspects? They're, yes, maybe, clearly. You're going to take, yeah. take more risk. Like I can think of one like, when we were talking about where we're, I can think we're thinking about rescuing dope and then I don't care. But when we have uh, evidence of a rape in a house, uh, yeah, we'd go, we'd go bang that house every single time. That's, that's not a problem. If we, if we can't, if we think we can't knock on the door and we got a turd in there, that's going to fight us or he always talks about fighting us. And, uh, yeah, you I, mean, I go bang you that door. Alleged suspect, not turd, right? <laughs> I see turd. I've been trying real hard not to do that. <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I'd, okay, put, <laughs> I'd put, uh, you know, that 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 is different to me. That is more important mm-hmm. to me than, than rescuing dope. That's that's important because that's something that if we don't make that case, some other person somewhere is going to get hurt by that by that offender if we don't make a good case on them. So I can, you know, there's like a Totality. We'll talk about that some more here in just a second on the Illinois thing. Yeah. Okay. Illinois thing. So this is all based on the Safety Act beginning January 23rd. So this is the, there's a, a picture that's been going all around Facebook and social media. Illinois, the S is silent, non-detainable offenses beginning January 1st, 2023. Aggravated battery 
aggravated DUI, aggravated fleeing, arson, burglary, drug-induced homicide, intimidation, kidnapping, robbery, second-degree murder, threatening a public official. So basically what it says here in some little tiny fine print, under this new law, after being charged with the crimes listed, those arrested would be released without bail pending a court date. Typically, the way this works is if you're arrested for this kind of stuff, you are brought to jail, they pretty much figure out what the bail schedule is, and you have to come up with X amount of dollars to bail out. According to this little flyer thingy, Illinois has made these offenses non-detainable. Well, Matt, I believe it is those are the high-profile felonies that are non-detainable, and they've essentially made all misdemeanors non-detainable at this point. But what do we consider detainable? So it's like you go through the arrest process. They're seen. They're seen by a magistrate or judge or whatever, whatever they're called. Yeah, this isn't just you. I'm detaining to ask you. No, I've taken you into custody, and we're going to the jail to be booked. And you're yeah, and they're not and holding on to you. Yeah. Yeah. So it, like, judge sees them. They have their initial appearance, and the judge says your court date is X Y Z. Bye. Yeah. See, to me, the language is wrong. Detainable. Should detainable. Be, yeah. Should not be detainable. Taken to custody, perhaps. Because extended custody. In no, custody. That, yeah. Versus detention. Or right? or maybe call them or maybe call them zero, zero bond or. Uh, we call it personal recognizance here. I'm not sure what what Illinois calls it, but de- detainable. Yeah, well, yeah, offenses, offenses that cannot be held on bond. Yeah. Warren and I work in the world of OR, oral recognizance. I swear I'll show up to court. Yeah. Yep. Which we don't mind sometimes, but if we don't want to sit on in the the hospital for weeks on end, we don't mind seeing an OR here and there, but uh, secondary murder, I'd like to see them in jail for that. That'd be fine with me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, there's an interesting there's an interesting thing that I read with this. And so this is on WGN nine. WGN is a so I grew up in a suburb of Chicago. WGN is one of the regular stations in in the Chicago Chicago land area. Um, According to this website, according to this article, certain crimes, including forcible felonies, stalking, domestic abuse, guarantees the revocation of pretrial release, meaning they will not be released after uh, arrest. This is outlined in the acts section, blah, 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 blah. While it's true that none of the crimes listed above automatically revoke pretrial release, that does not mean perpetrators are guaranteed to be let out of jail free. A judge may revoke pretrial release from any perpetrator who poses a specific and real and present threat to any person or the community. To me, maybe I'm reading this funny, but typically when I'm arresting someone, we don't have the judges involved yet, unless there was a warrant, but I'm, I'm arresting them based on what I've observed. We're, we're meeting the, the, the statute, we're meeting the, the elements of the crime to make the arrest, whether it be any of these crimes up here, up here, but I am not involving a judge. So how is a judge going to revoke this pretrial re- release if they're not even part of it, if they're not part of this process? So do, we, do I make the arrest and then I call? Oh, there goes James. Night, nightlight folks. 
state says he can't hunt now. Oh man, he can't hunt anymore. <laughs> um, so to me, yeah. So does that mean if I make an arrest on one of these offenses, I need to call a judge and say, Hey, this is what's going on. Here's my probable cause. Don't let him out. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Because the thing is, is this a, is, is this a way of saying that the legislature, the legislature is woke and like, Hey, look at what we're doing for bail reform, but they're not actually changing it because meeting the elements of the crime. I, I, from my perspective means you do present a clear and articulable danger to either a person or the general public. I mean, is is it that is it hey look at us we're woke but we're not actually changing things or is it like you were saying matt is it well how how do we get a judge involved to give them the evidence the afterward that these people are a danger to a specific person or to the public i i don't know i was looking at it today and it looks to me like that there's only if they, they, they didn't go through and say, hey, these aren't these aren't things you can detain somebody for. It looks like these are the only things you can detain somebody for. That's like murder one. And then somebody went through and took a soundbite and said, well, these aren't on here. This would be really good for the good for our clicks. But um, there is a little caveat in here. I can find it again. That said, if somebody would be eligible for, for probation, if they were convicted, based on their background, then they're eligible to be released without bond. So at some point, there's got to be a judge involved in that process somewhere. So typically for us, if we make an arrest, yeah, we'll, we'll need to send in our PC to, to, me, to make sure that the person stays. Yeah, to me, what that sounds like is a lot of lip service that we have bought bail reform but ultimately it puts it back on the judge, which is where it, it rests anyway. So it, I understand what the message they're trying to convey, because if, if you do the reverse argument of bail reform, you'll kind of, you'll kind of land on, there are some people that don't need to be held in light of the charges that they've received. For instance, I go out, I, I leave my condo and I make an illegal left turn and somebody dies in an auto accident. That's a, that's a murder too. It's a vehicular homicide, right? Okay. Well, I'm a productive member of society and I made a minor traffic offense that resulted in someone's death. Is that appropriate to hold me without bail? Is that appropriate to hold me with any bail to where if I say, I'll be there January 1st. I'll be there with bells on uh, and, and get an OR when there was no intent. There was no, there's no past criminal history. It, okay. It, th does anybody see what I'm, I'm getting at here? Oh, yeah. Right. Versus. Well, my girlfriend's baby's daddy came over and I shot him in the face. Now I'm a nine time convicted felon and I had this gun, but he was in my house. Do you have a warrant for child um, endangerment? Not, no. Support not child, child support. Thank you. Right. Cause if you have that, then clearly. Right. But only between the hours of 
but what it sounds like back. to me is that they have published this. Well, we have bail reform, so we have formalized what judges do anyway. Yeah, yeah. Does it really make that big of an impact? And if it was so challenging to the law, the Court of Criminal Appeals and the Supreme Court would shove it up their ass with a razor blade attached to We'd it. We'd hope. We would hope. Um, so Not in your district. What's that? <laughs> it would have to, it'd have to go quite a ways up before you get out of those weird districts that, that, that Illinois is in. Right. But, but, but my point being, it sounds like a lot more lips. It's kind of like the Ohio thing. Well, by God, we're not going to serve warrants between, you know, we haven't been doing that forever anyway. They make it sound like they were too. They make this one, this one of these articles talks about how now officers have to use the totality of the circumstances. Wait, like the totality of what? I've never heard. I've never heard that term ever. Yeah. Right. (laughs) We've only been doing that that for 18 years now. Totality of the circumstances, I'm sure dates back to the 1800s. Well, that guy shot that guy. Well, put him in jail for murder. Well, that guy was trying to rob that guy. Well, the totality well, of the circumstances says that that guy was probably okay shooting him. And that one because had child he was support. getting ready to get robbed. <laughs> you, you well, know that was I'm in saying? reference. That was in reference to when officers can use deadly force and or use in force defense on of pop, in defense of like, property. Yeah. Don't, don't we already have? Didn't we already do this one time? You know. <laughs> Did we already have some case law on this. What do we, we yeah. now have to do that? We've been doing that forever. I will, I will probably piss off the Wokies when I say, you know, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, a lot of the big talking points you're talking about, you ain't making any big changes. That's the stuff we do anyway. All you're doing is putting it on paper. Moving yeah, on. A, lot, a lot of it, it's, it's like your, your narrative is based off of, off of complete fabrication and your and all of your campaigning and all the wokeness that leads right into what Brian just said. You take all of that to do and you lead it right into, well, we're already doing it. Okay. Right. But it, but it makes somebody's feelings feel better. Um, I want to give you all a hypothetical because this, this actually never happened to me ever. Uh, I have a, I have a very dear friend. He's very liberal. Very. It's Eric. Eric Kellhouse. No, (laughs) no, no. This guy is not even involved in law enforcement. He's in the music industry and his wife and I are sitting over a, uh, over a coffee one morning and she goes, I'm so glad you guys got body cameras because now we'll be able to catch those bad cops. And I went, yeah, you're absolutely right. So let me propose a hypothetical. I said, let me say, you don't have kids, right? And she's like, no. I said, well, let's just say you were a school teacher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, well, let's just say little Johnny picks up his buddy from school and his buddy's smoking a joint. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, and and and, and the joint goes in the ashtray in little Johnny's car. And now I pull little Johnny over because you, as a parent, didn't make sure that his tag was up to date so i pull him over and i go "Ooh, smells like cheech and chong in here and the body camera's rolling well who's in constructive possession of that roach that's in the ashtray and she goes well the guy that left and i went no he's gone he's no longer a factor and i go so now with a body camera 
I can't wind test that. And she goes, yeah. what's a wind test? I said, that's where I throw it up in the air. And I go, Johnny, that looks just like marijuana. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> I said, so now I'm obligated by the rules of evidence to seal that in a container until his trial. Yep. And she goes, that doesn't happen. And I go, it happens every freaking day because of the talking points that you have pushed on me. And I go, me as a law-abiding law enforcement officer, pillar of the community, I would be remiss to destroy that evidence and send your precious child off on his way. So now he's got a marijuana conviction that follows him the rest of his freaking life. And I go, that is what you have perpetrated. That's what you yes. have voted into office. Yes. And she goes, well, that's not fair. And I go, what does fairness have to do with the law? It's the law or it's not. Yeah. And all of a sudden she's like, uh, well, we should have some discretion on that. And I go, how do you, how you do think, <laughs> how do you put it? How do you put a, uh, a policy on discretion? It's either a crime or it's not. Yep. And you all have made that so black and white that now me as a public servant, I am obligated to do that. And she's like, uh, well, I don't have a good response for that. And I said, nobody I've met has. I said, because is a police officer myself, am I going to destroy that evidence to take care of your little kid to make sure he doesn't have a felony or misdemeanor conviction because his friend screwed him over? Because possession is nine tenths of the law, right? And I go, so am I going to risk my career? my livelihood, my family for your 16 year old exactly. screw up. Exactly. And the next thing, you know, the conversation goes to, uh, maybe we should talk bail reform. Like, Oh, you want me to go there? <laughs> because guess what? Little Johnny's going to jail. So you better, pro you better talk bail reform. Yep. Uh, now that's a hypothetical. I have literally never been involved in that situation since body cameras came along. So, <laughs> Neither have I. Yeah, Definitely right. not. So, so yeah. saying that, I go, I'm obligated as a public servant to seize that evidence and arrest the perpetrator right. of that crime. Yes. And they go, Ugh. well, so what I'm seeing with the woke public is they go, oh, we want to do just enough that it doesn't affect us. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. That sounds kind of like the people that are pro-communism. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Hey. That's so true. Russia. Have a good time. Hey, you're so you're so motivated to stand. Go to China and free the children slaves that build your phone. Go show up there on an airplane and say, "Hey, we're here to take some of them with us." And they go, "No, <laughs> you're going to join them now." Yes. Yeah, or uh, show up in Russia with a with a with a dab in your suitcase and tell me how great communism is. Right. So, so the more that the the woke liberal public pushes on the well police officers we need to keep them in check and we need to see every minute of their day don't We're realize the discretion they've taken away from us yeah. to go hey man i get it your buddy left to join your ashtray dude throw that out and get out of here Have and that is night. that is way more po or not popular that is way more that happens more frequently it's it's a norm and body cams affect that. So if I were to pull over a car, I'm, I, I like to give warnings. 
So if I find a speeder and I pull them over and they're getting a warning and they ask, well, how fast was I going? You were going fast enough for me to pull you over. I'm not going to say you were going 20 over right. dumbass. So, <laughs> so here's one for Warren. Cause he's, he's been a, the, the patrol supervisor, right? Warren, mm-hmm. if you're reviewing body camera footage and you watch one of your young cops go, Hey, little Johnny, Hey, throw that ash, throw that joint out of here and stomp it out. What's your response to that by the policy procedure and state law? What should well, it be? I'm really glad I'm not in patrol anymore. Right. Cams that come around. The total cop out, Warren, and I expected it because you're a great dude. But I, I, you know, I wanted to. I always wanted my guys to use discretion and, for better lack of a better term, fuck the people who need to be fucked with and leave everybody else to fuck alone. That's, That's how we should do cop work. Yes. And when you're talking about little stuff like that, yeah, you may need to make an arrest or whatever, but if you don't at least take that into custody, take that into, into possession and book it in, make a report, you're going to be held to some scrutiny. And even if you do that, you're going to arrest somebody. Four of us sitting right here on the same exact call are going to do four different things yeah. on, on different calls. And so if you get five captains, like at my department, we're all sitting around talking about what should happen with this one case. We're all, we're, we're going to, we're going to have a watered down view of what we all think. So we, that, that's why that discretion is so important. And I don't, I don't think body cams are bad at all. I don't think body cams are a problem. What I think is a problem is, is we're not letting the guys use that discretion and we're not making sure they understand that this is a good thing that we have discretion. Right. You know, and there are certain ways to go about it. Uh, the, the policy on destroying stuff. Yeah. We've had that happen before. We guy don't work here anymore. He, right. He don't work anymore. Right. You know? Which means he gave up his livelihood to cut Johnny a break. Yeah. And, and now it's so easy to prove. Right. And what you're seeing now is minor misdemeanor offenses that we would have went, dude, knock that off. Don't do that anymore. Are turning well, into why did you arrest my little baby? My precious little baby. Why did you have to break his nose to take him into custody? Well, because the other option is I don't have a job. I don't yeah. have a livelihood. I don't have a family. I don't have a house. Uh, well, because my we, policy we whole- and procedure says this. We had a whole deal on mask mandates. Uh, our, our city councils were the, were the funnest thing to watch, uh, the funnest show on Tuesday nights for the longest time on YouTube, because they they wanted they one of them or two of them wanted us to force these mask mandates on people. And this is in Oklahoma, that ain't gonna go well. And the last thing we want as a department, and our chief was he held tough and said, "Look, guys, we're not enforcing this. We'll we'll do the best we can to we'll enforce trespass or whatever you want, as far as that goes." But we're not going to go get into a use of force over a stupid mask mandate. We're not doing it. That's yeah, not our culture here. That's not going to work. Even my agency, you know, our chief was like, yeah, you, you can you can pass whatever emergency order you want. But as far as the enforcement, we have trespassing mm-hmm. and that's about it. Yep. Uh, and, and most people that didn't follow the, the mandate, we went, hey, we can arrest you arrest you for trespassing here if you don't follow their rules and they went no problem we're leaving yep okay yeah we had exactly one problem and it it came down to trespassing right i mean and that trespassing is somebody's got right and that's what they pay us they pay us to protect their business rights to not have that person in their business yeah we're all about that but not with the not with something like that 
I mean, we had 200 people show up the first day they had that meeting. Then they had to move it to where they were having three or 400 people because they couldn't fit them all in the building. They had to move it to a different location. I mean, it's a, it was a big deal to the public. Right. And uh, I'm really thankful my chief was on the right side of that deal. Yeah. And, it, and I always tell people, I go, who, get, who empowers us to make an arrest? Yep. And, and I ask a lot of rookie cops that I go, who empowers you to make an arrest? They're like the chief of police. And I go, no. Okay. Who empowers you to affect enforcement of the law? And I go, the public of which you are a servant of. So whether I disagree or agree with marijuana laws, the public gives me the direction uh, through state state statute and city ordinance, right? Uh, you, you know, I and I don't know. The older I get, the more libertarian I get, I guess. I don't know. but I think uh, we all do. I think yeah. we all do, uh, especially in law enforcement. But, uh, you know, one of the things is, like, I'm not a big death penalty supporter. And people are like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, I'm really not. Because if you've ever testified in a death penalty case, and you know that guy's getting ready to get a needle in the next, and you start second-guessing yourself, if you've ever had to testify in that case, you would rather go, you know what, stick him in the penitentiary, and if he gets out because he finds some reason he, right? Like, I would rather that than kill somebody that is innocent of a crime. I don't care what his petty cr criminal background is, right? Uh, and, and that's the same thing with like marijuana laws. I'm like, yeah, I don't agree with it. Maybe I don't agree with it on a fundamental level, but if that's what the public who empowers me to have this position says, then I go, whether I disagree with it or not, it's the law. And that brings up the, the issue that we have with having politicians that are not accurately representing what the public wants and they think they know better. Matt, turn off your mind reading device. I was literally about to say that. I was thinking it. Yeah. I got, I've got to adjourn for like three and a half minutes. I'll be right back. Some We don't do that here. <laughs> Does nobody take a piss break? Don't you I mean, have I a bottle? Graphic. But you just do this. You don't have bottles nearby? and yeah. Well, Warren, I've had a podcast for two years, and I've seen you as a guest on like everybody's podcast but mine. And I've seen you on the podcast, and I'm like, when does the guy pee? Like, oh, he uh, has. He's he's taking breaks. <laughs> yeah, oh, he yeah. has. He goes through the no, door I'll, right there. I'll do that right there, and then I'll be, and then I'll wait till somebody's talking. I'll do that, and I sneak out. I saw Blowers drink like six Coronas one day and, and never go pee. I can't do that. Well, yeah. I'm just gonna mute my mic and step out. So <laughs> wait, you don't want to have your mic going just <laughs> with you? You know, we know what you're doing now of satisfaction. <laughs> oh God, I've been holding this for an hour. Oh man. But, but if I can, if I can kind of compound on, on what Brian was saying a little bit, one of the things, cause I'm sure we've, we've all had it is you'll have, you'll have people who are like, why is whatever not a crime or why is this thing a crime? And I don't, I agree with it. And my response is in some, in most cases, sincerely, and in some cases I'm a smart ass because I, I mean, well, you guys know me enough, <laughs> but my, my response is if you think this should be a law or think this should not be a law, contact 
the legislature of the state and tell them they need to change it yes. because they are, I am here via the legislature funding my department Yes, for you, but I am sworn to uphold the constitution and the laws that the legislature has enacted on your behalf. Yeah. So if you don't agree with those laws, you need to contact them because they serve you just like I serve you. They're not our rulers. They serve us. And you need to tell them the laws are antiquated or the laws are inaccurate or, or whatever issue you have with the law. And if you and enough people have a valid argument, there's a good chance the laws will get changed. That's how it works. So let's say we have generations of people that are just kind of going with it and laws are getting passed and people aren't paying attention and they don't care where the law is going to go, where we're at right now. Um, that's what we're living right now. Who's paying attention to this stuff? Okay. Well, great. Bail reform. Awesome. Was it needed? No. Um, and I know, I know for a fact we we're all preaching the choir right now. People listening right now are, we're all on the same page, but are we vocal about it enough? Are we letting people know this is, we're doing this to ourselves as citizens because that's what we are as cops. We are still citizens. And so if you, if you take out, like, let's say, let's say if you go, let's say pre 2008 without naming any specific people pre 2008, the people who argued for bail reform, I can see where in certain instances they have an argument where they say, hey, listen, the way the system is set up, you have someone who says who, who maybe they drive without a license, they get a ticket for it. So then they get a suspended license in that state. And depending on what the laws in that state are, they get they're trying to have a job, trying to be a productive member of society, and they get caught once or twice more. And, you know, given a ticket, whatnot for driving on a suspended license, then they start getting arrested for it. And they're trying to work and they're trying to be a productive member of society, but they end up spending time in jail because they don't have the resources to take care of the initial problem. So that goes a little bit back into the discretion we were talking about, where if you stop somebody who's clearly not trying to do criminal stuff and they don't happen to have a driver's license, you're like, man, Pick up that phone you got and call somebody with a valid driver's license to come pick you up so I don't have to write you a ticket or have your car towed. And, you know, that kind of discretion, depending on your depending on the particular department, if you have a body camera, it doesn't exist. And it's like you're driving without a license. Here's your ticket. Your car gets towed. So how much how much of that discretionary stuff really headed off the need for that reform, which people were talking about, like I said, pre 2008 ish kind of stuff. And, and the driving thing is just one example, but it's how, how much of that discretion where the police were like, you are a dumbass, stop doing this. And if the person gets the message, it doesn't go any further. How many times that's, that's effective policing right there. Yeah. But, but like how many times have, any of us gone to let's say an underage party mm -hmm. where there's where i mean we say kids but they're legally adults and they're, they're like kids. drinking alcohol maybe a couple of them are smoking weed and you go you break the party up you get them rides you you dispose of and i don't mean take back to the office and drink i mean literally 
break the bottles, pour it out, all that kind of stuff. You dispose of the alcohol they have, you get them rides. And you're like, if we catch y'all again, we're going to take the hard route. And then again, how many departments because of body cams is that discretion gone? And how many kids like Brian said, carry that charge their entire life. And how would that affect someone who wants to become an engineer who works for the feds? How, you know, how does that affect somebody who wants to become a combat medic and needs, and needs a certain level of clearance? How does that affect people in the future when there's no discretion, when they make a dumbass mistake as a kid and they get hammered because the department who polices that area has decided in their infinite wisdom that if it's recorded on the body cam, it gets charged because that's what the public supposedly wants. Cause that's what the laws are. It, yeah. They want it until it affects little Johnny. Yeah. Right. So one of the things that we brought up when you took off and we did it on purpose so we could have this really good conversation. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, uh, the, the concept was how many generations have gone by and just allowed new laws to be put on the books without looking over them and checking them. And these laws are kind of forming what society should be. And it doesn't match what we want it to be. And then how Dave and I both agreed. It goes back to our stupid politicians who are not accurately representing us. Who is we the Royal we? Yes. (laughs) We as citizens. So uh, that's one of the things I've seen come to fruition especially in the metro of Oklahoma, I won't say Oklahoma City, uh, but people go, oh my God. And it, it came to full steam during the scam pandemic. Uh, scam pandemic. I, I didn't say that. I might've misspoken. Uh, where people were like, you mean to tell me that my mayor can shut down my business with the stroke of a pen? And all of a sudden, people got real tuned into local elections. And then when that went away, they went, oh, everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he didn't mean to do that. He was just following the science. Uh, yeah. So I go, I go, look, uh, your local elections matter to you far more than your state level elections. Yeah. Um, and, and it was really shocking to even some of the liberal consciences. Uh, And one of the things as a cop, you know, here I am 20 years into a career. Uh, I have some friends, some very dear friends that are very left liberal and they have the same cognitive dissonance that I do. Oh, well, he's doing it for my good. And I go, Oh, well, he's doing it for my good. And the bottom line is we're all very similar but the media and the, the talking heads would have you believe that we're extremely different and we're yeah. really not. Um, you know, my, my make or break for, for how laws affect us are when it comes to self-defense laws, right? Because if you have the audacity to tell me how, when, and where I should defend myself, you have a real control problem. Right. That, that, that is to me, the number one thing that divides me from everyone else is I'm like, I don't care if you want to marry you, the tree in your front yard. And if you want to have a machine gun and guard a marijuana crop, I don't give a shit. Go right? for it. Uh, but if you have the audacity to come to me and say, well, 
you can only defend that under these circumstances right here that I deem are okay. I think it's preposterous. I think it is absolutely, absolute lunacy. Um, I don't even know where I was going with all this. Or why think, I it was really good, Oklahoma, though. In Oklahoma, to think about how far we've come in the last 25, 25 years. There was a time when if somebody was invading your home in Oklahoma, when I went to the academy in the 1900s, you had to have some other separate element to be able to say, yeah, that he's going to do me harm. It wasn't automatic. We didn't have a, we didn't have a, 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 I can't think of the word right now, but you didn't have yeah, the no, automatic assumption. Yeah. And that, yeah. that changed thankfully. And then, you know, we, uh, we've got one guy who some of the cops don't like, we've got one guy that is an activist, a firearms activist, and he almost single-handedly has gotten us, gotten our state uh, where it should be or close to where it should be with permitless carry and, uh you know, you can have a rifle in your car now and not have to worry about that kind of thing. And well, Warren, when you were a kid, was that an issue? No, it never was. And when I was a baby cop, I loved the rest of everybody. But if I saw a farmer with a 22 rifle in his car, I'd not just tell issue. him about it and he'd go on about his life. You know, I don't care. But not everybody right. did that. I can tell you, I remember when the trend, you remember the law, the transporting a loaded firearm. Do you remember when that changed in 05? Do you remember why it changed? Uh, no, I don't know how. I don't know why it changed. I know somebody, uh, the wrong person, got hooked up on it. A district court judge got pulled over with a loaded gun, drunk. He oh. Got a misdemeanor DUI, which was followed by a felony loading a fire or transporting a loaded firearm. And the next thing you know, it's one of his bar association buddies that was at the Capitol went, "That shit ain't right." And yep. changed it. And then they went, well, well, it's a ticket if you're at the state level. So if you're a municipality, you really don't have a mechanism of enforcement until you write a municipal ordinance about it. Well, and you can't because it's preempted. You can't right. write a city ordinance because it's and preempted. Fast forward a few years and they preempted it yep. to the point now that the armed citizen has less restrictions on carrying a firearm then a peace officer does. And I went, Hmm. There was a, there was a year when law enforcement had to follow the same rules as or restricted the same rules as a, a licensed carrier. So we had to right. fall back on the same rules. So we couldn't carry a gun in a liquor store or certain places like that. And technically we couldn't carry in the police department. Interesting for that. Cause Funny that's how that works, property. It? It's like, hold on a second, guys, we kind of need to have our guns in the cop shop. So, you know, it, it's just weird. There, there's been so many, we're talking about legislators and what dipshits they can be. <laughs> Almost said R. That's a little broad uh, brush. It's a little blanket statement. I have one that lives, yeah. actually lives next door to me. Uh, that, like I have a condo in my complex that next door has just been a handover of state legislators from out of state, out of town Ooh. that they buy it and they go, I'm going to live here until my term's up. And I have one next door to me that at times comes to me and goes, Hey man, how does this affect you guys? And I'm like, Holy crap. I'm really glad there are people out there wow. that are soliciting those questions. Yeah. Uh, he's very pro to a, he's very pro self-defense. He's very pro this pro that he has some kind of liberal leaning social issues, but I go, you know what? On the self-defense part, 
I don't worry well, about state, that. In this state, our most probably our most liberal legislator on the state level is still supportive of licensed carry. He just didn't like the permitless carry, and that's the most, yeah. most left leaning one I can think of. So it's yeah. kind of like almost everybody here, liberals here, are just like, well, of course, I like guns. I mean, <laughs> just, oh man, I watched cops I work with just shit kittens over permitless carry. Well, it's a retention issue. If an 80 year old man has a gun on his hip, I go, then what business of it is you to tell him he can't? Yeah. And they go, well, some armed robber is going to take it from him. And I go, okay. shove it up his ass and kill him. Who it, it, that's his prerogative. Yep. Uh, I, I don't agree with it, but who am I to legislate you to tell you what you can yes. or can't do? Yes. Uh, outside of like the bounds of morality, uh, right. you know, it, you, you want to grow a marijuana Christmas tree and roll it up into a big sheet and smoke it. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Get after it. Uh, but the society that empowers us to do policing, if they say that's okay, then that's okay. And I don't have to agree with it or not, or, or, or disagree with it. It's not my choice. Uh, you know, abortion is legal in Oklahoma. They've done all kinds of legislative stuff. I don't support it. I'm not a big fan of like killing the unborn, yeah. but you know what? That's the law of the land, bro. Like in the people that execute those things or, or I hate to use the word execute, but <laughs> the people that, that, that do the mechanisms of quote unquote medical care, uh, the Supreme Court says their life, seizing their life is the ultimate seizure. I am obligated to protect them, even though I don't agree with what they do. Uh, same thing with, you know, marijuana cultivators. Hey, you know what? At least it's given some rednecks a job. Good on you. I don't care. But I'm obligated to protect those people. Absolutely. Um, regardless of how I, my personal feelings about it. And one of the things I see with cops that has historically bit us in the ass is we let our personal feelings influence how we do the job. And uh, I, I got to say, man, that we are our own worst enemy, period. Uh, because our ego and our personal feelings outrun what the statutes and the laws say. And, uh, and sometimes we take a personal mission to correct, right some societal wrong, which ultimately at the legislative level gets taken out of our hands and we're unable to function and let that go. I've seen that with a lot of younger cops and that's, that's a scary thing as the, or the world journeys, right? Uh, but you know, if I was in charge, we'd, we'd all be wearing horse turds the size of diamonds. So whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I tell people all the time, I don't care if you want to smoke weed. I don't care. I don't care if you want to snort cocaine, smoke crack, smoke meth. I, like, do what you want, but do it in such a manner that you're not hurting other people and you're not in public. If I don't know about it, I'm not obligated to do something about it. Yeah, not at the Kevin Hart concert sitting right next to me. That'd be great. <laughs> right. Do it somewhere else. Because well, I swear everybody lit up right around me. The, the constitution was all about individual responsibility. Yeah. 
it's scary. The issue is it's scary and people don't want to be scared. They want to be coddled. And so we've had this ongoing creep that's only gotten worse. And it seems like, you know, the pandemic, scandemic, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) that there were certain people's eyes were really open to how bad that creep has gotten. And like Brian said, some of them, as soon as the restrictions were lifted, were like, whatever, back to business. But other people are like, hey, this shit needs to change. Yeah, we can go back to uh, we can go back to stuff that happened September 11th. And what were things that that were enacted because of September 11th that are still affecting us that might not be prudent still? That that knee jerk reaction, I I, I think 9-11 was a good was a good was a perfect um, example of that knee jerk reaction because of how horrific it was. But I, I like the way that so many states, including mine, reacted to the pandemic because, yeah, they went a little crazy at first. But then everybody was just like, hold on a second, especially in my town. Uh, those those city councilors, they got their asses handed to them by the public. And then it turns out they're not real pro police anyway. And they started kind of coming out with those things. And neither one of them had a job after their next term. Good. Or had that position after the next term. And now we can, you know, we get funded, you know, we, we get training and it's, it's, it's very pro police here, the public wise, and they showed up and did the right thing where I don't know if that happens in all, in all towns, but yeah. I think it was a perfect, that's a perfect example of bringing that up. Was that now? I said, no, no, <laughs> no, probably not in the Metro. And we but, pretty much have to go with what the Metro says. Well, nine uh, 11, right. Everybody was like, oh, God, everybody's coming to kill us. Yeah. Uh, my my thing with that is, okay, everybody's coming to kill us. That doesn't mean you need to put on Kabuki Theater at the airport so I can get on a flight and go see yes. that. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that plus the Patriot Act and the Patriot Act 2. You yes. have to love how they name that shit. Yes. And it's and, just... Oh. Wait, 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 wait. No, the, wait, I, I just need to say something real quick. This is crazy. This discussion's coming from cops. They can't possibly have these views. Oh, that see, Matt, my 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 jack boots are at the yeah. cobbler getting <laughs> getting getting licked, replaced. So like I I gotta say, I gotta tell you, you know, I was in the military. I was on two hour recall doing doing cool guy shit uh when that happened. And I spent the next six months locked down in barracks with live ammo, which was like unheard of. Right. Uh, and then I got out and I became a policeman and the next electoral cycle, everything that I stood for got labeled as a domestic terrorist. Well, if you find someone that's traveling around with a cons- copy of the constitution, I'm like, bitch, there's one in my police car. Yep. Uh, so- Any shopper with big techs. They're yes. going to be a violator. Yeah. So what I saw was the original intent was probably sound, right? Like, I, do hey, I take them in and put them in the patrol in the, in the report room and drop them. Sorry, Brian, go ahead. Uh, you mean like that one? Yes. That they used to hand out pre-2008? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... And I kind of, but the flip side of that is I kind of look at, uh, you know, I had friends that were involved in the Waco incident. 
I had friends that were there. They were good. They were as cop as you and me. I didn't understand the underlying motives of their command structure. And I, far be it for me to call that a, a foul. Uh, but what I saw was in 2008, after that election, we went from, hey, look, this is how you identify Islamo-fascist that are motivated to kill you and everything you stand for. Here's what the here's what it looks like to, you know what, domestic white terrorists, they carry around copies of the Constitution. And I saw that in in-service training. And I went, whoa, we opened That's the still door being with distributed. the Patriot Act. Oh, the yeah. We, now. we opened the door with the Patriot Act, and it here it is. And I'm and going. Who's it's just so frustrating because you could see it coming a mile away. When that happened, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. This ain't going well. This is not going well at all. My wife flew like eight months after or something like that, and they started doing hand searches on everybody just indiscriminately or at, mm -hmm. at random. And I was like, man, did you guys not see this? And I was so frustrated and so angry and none of my friends forget it all my cop friends were like well you know like don't why don't you see this yeah. why don't you understand this is going to happen again this is happening to us now and now that that door is open whatever mindset is in power is going to empower that to their benefit mm -hmm. and that was uh I, I remember the people raising the red flag back then going hey yo bush too saying a good idea you're opening Pandora's box and here we are And Pandora's box is not only open, it's wide open. It's weird how this went from search warrants to that. That works. Yeah. It, it is. It really is. But if, if we think about it too, some of the things that we've just discussed, it's describing us to a T and we're the ones that are pro rights. We're the ones that are pro citizens. We're the ones that want people to be able to live freely. Some You're the these, last line of defense. We world. are, but we're being labeled. We're, as the, we're the last is. and the first line of defense yeah. in your daily activities as a police officer. It is your job to defend people's rights. Yeah. Yeah. To defend them against unconstitutional seizure of their person and their property. Including, as Brian has said multiple times, the ultimate seizure. Which. But we're the bad that guys. Is, yeah, that's the realm that I have a real, real heartache with right now. But it's government agencies are saying, yeah, look out for this, this, this. That, that, that's us. But we work for you. Obviously, we, yeah. Well, I, I have come to the conclusion after 20 years that, one, it's cheaper to bury a cop than it is to mm -hmm. train them. Yep. It's cheaper to fire one than it is to train them. And that is, that has been my, my, my sole mission for about the last eight years is to, to go bury cops. Holy crap. No, no, no. Is to go. You're wrong. Yeah. Uh, your training methodology is flawed. It's archaic. And here are examples of why. And what I see is on a governmental level, they go, ah, it's cheaper for us to just get rid of them if they fuck up. It's cheaper for us to have a funeral for them. And Daryl Balky, I'm gonna I'm gonna credit this one to Daryl Balky. Uh oh. And and I hate to get on a soapbox here, but let me ask you this: What's the downside of a cop dying in the line of duty? What's the negative of it? Well, finding a replacement is so difficult. 
I got the <laughs> same response from every other cop that I've had that conversation with. They go, mm. at least they're free of having to deal with other people's bullshit. Well, right. My, my pause is because I immediately thought of two opposite reactions and that's either they're, you know, they're a hero and a martyr or they're a villain. And depending on the circumstance, you know, so cop dies. Now I'm going to set the stage for you and me that are patrol cops or whatever. We, you know, we we're out there doing the Lord's work and plucking weeds from the Lord's garden. Uh, thank you, Wayne Dobbs. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's tragic for us because one of our brothers died. One of our brothers, we just had to put one of our brothers down, but what do we do the next day? We put on the work. uniform, we go back to work. Okay. What's negative on the administrative side? Well, you have to train a new person. You need to spend a lot of money on getting, you have to find a, a, a suitable candidate. You have to replace them. You have to train them up. So let's just say hypothetically, I am the agency head of a large organization and I have a city council, a city manager and a public that live in my lower intestine. They pretty much have their head in my ass 24 seven. Uh, and one of my organizational personnel die. They're tragically killed in the line of duty. Now I get to go to my closet. I get to put on my fancy uniform. You might get more money. I get to go. Maybe we didn't train him that good. Um, and the public who maybe hated me a month ago goes, <gasps> They've lost one. That's so tragic. He was a hero. So I get to put on my shiny uniform, all my shiny brass, and I get to talk and give speeches. And all of that budgetary city council oversight maybe goes away for a little month or two. Where's the negative in that? Ever thought about that? So, so what's the downside of that? How ah, we lost somebody. Okay. Well, now we got one lining up at the door. That costs half as much money. We just got to train him to get him to do it. But where is the negative impact? And oh, well, my descendants get what $200,000 from the feds and $30,000, $40,000 from the city. Oh, they'll be okay. Oh, they're part of the family. They're th part of the thin blue line. I hate that term. Don't you? I call it the thin blue lie. It's bullshit. <laughs> I'll just call it out. Uh, so I look at that and I go, so you that are so motivated to enforce all the laws of the city, county, and federal government, what's the downside of you getting killed doing that? Zero, nothing. Zero. I can't find one negative thing in you getting buried doing that. Um, what's the downside of you getting fired? Oh, we got rid of a guy that wasn't meeting the standard. Right? So if you temper your job or your role in that with the fact that if they bury you, meh. if they fire you, meh. it's cheaper than training you. Take that into consideration when you go, you know what? I need to kick that door for that traffic ticket. I'll oh, tell you boy, what, everybody got know. silent, man. man. Whatever, Thanks, Daryl Bulky. <laughs> you put my perspective in. in <laughs> Anyway. I was going to say, you can always tell it's, it's, they was talking about, you know, like a well, how you make a liberal and a conservative, you either double their salary or you rob them or you well, the punch them thing, in the face or right. something like that. Yeah. Or uh, 
the same thing happens when you get when you go from a patrolman to a patrol sergeant about car chases and all that kind of cool stuff. Do we go? Do we go try to arrest this guy by ourselves or with two guys? The same thing right. happens to you when you make sergeants. Like, hold on a second. Now, all of a sudden, I'm not the one out there having the fun. I'm the one that's got to worry about this kid getting hurt. Right. You know, one of my folks getting hurt. Let's be smart. Or that, something bad happening to the public. That intermediate level is where that quote unquote thin blue line lies. Yeah. Hey man, I'm going to mentor you and try to keep you safe through this career. You get above that and it's like, yeah, well, you know, he was a good cop. Sorry. We had to pay for the engraving on his headstone, but yeah, you know I what? Call myself admi- I call myself administratively immature because I'm, <laughs> I'm still a Sergeant in a lot of ways. I'm still a patrol guy in as many ways as I can. So we're, we're keeping that training going and, Right now we got support, but I know right. that ain't, that ain't normal. Right. That's not the norm anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we sell a lot of cops, a, a, a bag of tricks saying, uh, you know, everything's going to be okay. As long as you follow in the policy and the procedures that we interpret the way that we want to interpret based on the situation, what we interpret it in. That are damn as long as you do that. Um, so well, have you ever tried to follow a pursuit policy, like an actual pursuit policy and follow it hundred percent? It's impossible. It can't be done. It can't be done. I, I will bid you that just about any policy that is ever written for any police department is open to interpretation. And if it's open to interpretation by definition, it's not a policy. Uh, that's probably why I've never promoted, <laughs> but but think about that, you know, you shall, you shall, you shall. Is that that way we do it every day? Kalia has these things called. Yeah, yeah don't say that word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they have these things called standard operating procedures yes. that you have to have in place. And I go, they directly conflict with the policy, kind of. So which one do we use? Do we use that or do we use that? Well, it depends on who's reviewing what has happened as to what the interpretation is and what their intent is and the intent. Thank you. Yeah. I, yeah. It's kind of like the old joke. Oh, go it, ahead. It, it's it's kind of like the old joke. The average person walking down the street, nobody walks anymore, but still the average person walking down the street commits six felonies a day. Yeah. I, I was married at one time to a police chief and she flat told me it's cheaper for me to fire them and let them get their job back than it is for me to correct them and retrain them. And I went, holy crap, I'm a hanger for a shirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, we all are. Yeah. Boy, I'm probably going to fade some heat over this podcast, Matt. So you're welcome. <laughs> so it's interesting, though, because you brought up a topic, and I'm not going to address it or say what it is right now, but I'm going to ha- I'm gonna have to have you come back to, to talk about it more in depth. I've already kind of started putting the panel together to talk about it. I'll, I'll get you on text. The other two, I think, might have seen the text about it a couple weeks ago. Um, Yeah, I send you guys messages so often. It's just, yeah. Well, just me now. Well, but we have we have we have other people that are watching, and I'm not going to let them know what it is because it's a secret. Yeah, and and the thing is, Brian, we have like five thousand two hundred eighty-seven different chat groups and four hundred seventy-six Facebook groups, and Matt's like, "Yeah, I sent you a message." I'm like where format yeah on what social media thing what time zone (laughs) yeah instant tweet i'm lost now right 
It's too many. Well, you know, the one thing I've learned from the last five to seven years, I mean, I spent a lot of time feeling like I was on an island, right? Like, I'm like, uh, does nobody else see this? Am I just the only one? Are our training standards as pathetic as I believe they are? And uh, when I started getting out and engaging in, uh, you know, like Tom Givens, TACCON and some other some other stuff, I started meeting dudes like Warren yep. and Lee Weems and some of these other no guys. Like going, yeah, nobody likes it. I did Lee. And hey, Brahms is awesome, by the way. So Lee, we're buds on that. But, uh, but I started realizing that, no, you're not alone. And most of the guys that are in your position leave that career to do something else. Um, because one day they wake up and realize they've been lied to for the last 20 years. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 The training you'll need one day, you know, Oh, don't worry about having an opinion on that. All you need to do is follow the state law. Uh, and you go, well, that doesn't seem morally right. Uh, but what I started feeling or figuring out is like guys like Warren DB, Wayne Dobbs, uh, Eric Gellhouse, all of us have the same story of having been run through the absolute gamut ringer and coming out the other side and going, oh man, I just had to dance with termination, prosecution, civil suit, uh, all because I did exactly what you said in the manual. But there's another manual and that's called the court of public opinion. And that's what they don't put in the hiring brochure. Yeah. And, and a lot of the wokeness that's going around is the court of public opinion that has trickled into the actual operational side. And what we see on the operational side is nothing changed. You just put it into verbiage. Yeah. Right. Well, just like, yeah, Maybe. the stuff we've discussed today. Um, to, go a little bit further on what you said. I don't think the public is, and this is something we've discussed in the past. I've written about it, but I don't think the public is aware the training that cops receive policy on and all this, these are minimums and this is what people are striving for. And this is okay. We stop right there. And then some of us go beyond that. And we go to that training that's above and beyond. And then we're above the clouds and we're able to see out and we're able to see how the rest of the world is operating. And then we come back and present some of these ideas and typically they're shot down very, very quickly. Promptly get run out because that's yeah. not the way we've done it before. Yeah. That's why you change slowly. The, our, our, the Oklahoma Base Academy is now up to 600 hours. That's the one that's in burned by the state. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, ours, I was talking. Yeah. Ours is up to 720 or so. It's not going to stop there. I'm going to stop when I get caught. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as soon as it gets to become really, I'll stop whenever it's too much and the guys aren't getting out fast enough or whatever. And we can do stuff with continuing ed. But until then, we're, I mean, we added de-escalation. I went to that school myself. We, this stuff can be ed? done. Yeah. That's, that's that thing you're supposed to do 25 hours on, on OMAG every year online. Yeah. Uh, you got to change the culture slowly. If you go too right. fast, you, you, you freak everybody out. So a yeah. little bit at a time. I've added one little thing at a time. We wanted to do good tech med stuff, whatever you want to call it. So we That's... added we added more of that. You know, we were supposed to do first aid. Now we're doing first aid, tourniquets, all kinds of cool stuff. That we, and we got a guy that can teach that. 
And, you know, we're right. just a little de-escalation. That's a crazy good officer safety uh, skill to have. And and how many cops have you met that have 15 plus years on their old heads that go and talk their way into a fight? Ooh. They yep. go. The old ones don't. But the no, newer kids right. don't understand. Well, and they, don't get me wrong, because I was that guy. Yeah, <laughs> they learn that. They right. learn that through through that process. They have to. Um, the one that absolutely appalls me is continuing education because I go, the state mandates I get X, Y, and Z. Okay, there's mental health, there's de-escalation, there's X, Y, and Z. When was the last time somebody showed you how to put your hands on a handgun? Yet, now we've decided that a 113-year-old handgun design is okay for a duty pistol. Right. As long as it's not made made from Springfield. Oh, right. Or, or, or bull or, you know, SV, you know, because those guys don't do quality work at for $5,000 a pop or Nighthawk. Oh, why would anybody carry that? But you know what? If we put this brand name on it and we say it's as good as a Glock, it's, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, so I had a conversation with my chief. I got to ask week. for just a minute ago. Oh. Yep. Had a conversation with my chief oh, a week ago. And so we had our video shoot two weekends ago ish. And basically I invited all my coworkers. I said, Hey, show up all you can eat ammo. I got all the ammo. You just come and shoot. Got some guns for you to shoot. And I said, yeah, well, it was a good time. We had a great turnout. Uh, one of my coworkers showed up and he had a blast and he actually had his mom, uh, mom and dad even attended and they actually got one-on-one instruction and they got to, try some guns they've never tried before. And they, they're kind of really thinking that they want to uh, get a firearm. Wonderful experience. And he kind of looks at me and says, well, you know why only one showed up? Cause it's on a weekend. Well, that's unfortunate. It's, it's the truth, but yeah, officers are not willing to put in hours, effort or time to stuff that the, yeah, I guess they, they're not a, seeing an immediate uh, benefit to. Yeah, we got 75 officers. We're supposed to have 100, and there's one who goes to classes other than me. Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, it was really cool to hear uh, a couple deputies went to a Will Petty class. I said, holy crap, that is awesome that you went and did that. And then a couple did uh, went to Jed Linsky with me. I'm like, that is awesome to see you here. And yeah, see people slowly trickling into this kind of stuff. It's It's so great but it doesn't happen enough. I'm just trying to steal it all and bring it back to my guys. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to do a a defensive tactics class once a year, which I don't do because I'm too old for that crap, but trying to do a marksmanship class. I'm trying to do de-escalation. We're trying to do all that stuff and continuing ed and get everybody caught up. We're doing med every so often. We're just the stuff that we're doing building clearing. We got the SWAT team doing, building clearing and uh that kind of thing and then we're putting it all through the simulator yeah for two months solid everybody had to go to the simulator twice and and run some scenarios and stuff so it can it can be done it's just a matter of somebody's got to beat their head on the door hard enough to get in yep oh but we need to have this awareness training and that awareness training and do we really we are required by federal law to go through that yeah 
But I, and again, I think it comes back to the expectations set by people that don't know better. And it doesn't, it's not doing us any favors. And if it's binding our hands on our ability to make uh, judgment calls or uh, discretion, is that really helping us serve the public or is it hindering our ability to serve the public? Absolutely. Yeah. And I just realized uh, we never did intros. So I guess we'll have I'll to do intros. The end on purpose. Yeah. yeah. I'll probably do intros and then just edit it and put it at the very beginning. And John, the fish cop just sent me a message. Uh, yeah. And this still is a cool revolver. I don't care what anyone says. Man, I, I'm, I'm praying that, that uh, they come back. Uh, there was a time when I recommended them. I, I literally talked my mom into buying a Taurus five shot 57 that I recently sold and put on, you know, through on consignment and put a little sign on that said one of the good ones from before. Yeah. Yeah. This one, when they come back around. Yeah. I've been messaging uh, the guys that I know over there and I'm, I'm looking forward to releasing the video that we did specifically about this. As a matter of fact, I think I posted it to our chat. You did the yeah. one on the, um, I want to say it's about 30 minutes long and yep. people on the internet will watch four seconds of it and close yeah. it. Yeah. And then yeah. they'll say, yeah, primary and secondary shills. Yeah. So after it was all done, uh, Taurus actually reached out and said, Hey, you know what? We really like that. Can we pay you? I thought, yeah, sure. And I thought, Oh wait, no, 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 you can't. Because, <laughs> because if you do, then people are going to say this is, this opinion was, was bought and it wasn't, we already had it done before. We, we were paid, but yeah, other companies will be paying and they're paying for all the stuff that we went through ammo and targets and hydraulic reclining or hydraulic rocking camp chairs. Yeah. Really roughing it out there. Yes, we are. <laughs> and the ballistic testing was really cool. Uh, some Buffalo bore 38 plus P went through three blocks of gel and still hit the berm with authority. It was really cool. And so, yeah, that it's, this gun would do that same thing. Not that I need that kind of performance. I'd probably stick with my, my 38 special wide cutters. Once a year, I carry, I'm going to carry this. Nice. To the shootest holiday. And it's in 32. Oh, uh, really? It's in, oh, it's in 327. Oh, very cool. And it's got, uh, it's, it's a shooter special. It's even got a 51 out of a hundred. And so I'll have my Buffalo boy in there once a year to carry there. And there'll be 200 other people carrying single action revolvers in there. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think I like shooting the Buffalo Boar 30 or 327 more than I like the gold dot. And then the 32 HR Magnum was better. And the 32 long was just fun. And that hog leg, it there's no recoil. I mean, it's just nothing. I'm shooting 32 Smith and Westons, and I can't really tell the difference. Yeah, between the two, as far as I mean, it's, it's 32 is so much fun. It is. It's and I don't. I don't need that addiction. I didn't need another one. Only the finest. There you go. Yeah, that's, people that's, would shoot the, it and just smile. That's the only thing that they. It's the only thing you can buy. You can buy Buffalo Bore 327. You can buy that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that, uh, isn't that like a 95 rain bullet at like 600 feet per second or something? As a matter of fact, it is 98. And 
I might have it on the video. I don't know, but it's fun. Are you guys getting ready to do something important? I'm back. Oh yeah, we, we are. The, the, show, the show ended, and we, we all <laughs> didn't really because no. <laughs> my house guest the uh, for the next day or so just arrived. So did our Berea tacos that I just ordered Ooh. while I was talking to you guys about how what's the downside of a cop getting killed. Anyway, <laughs> there's tacos. Uh, I'll take one. <laughs> it is Tuesday, so I have to adjourn. Um, yes. Yeah, so before you do. Yes. Let's let's wrap her up because we this has been over two hours. Um, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And, and and I gotta I gotta threaten you and warn you. You're gonna be back. I'm sorry. That's all there's Perfect. to it. And and Matt, the fact that you haven't been on the off duty on duty podcast yet, nor has Warren, who is like what like fifty miles from me. <laughs> well, he we works for Police One though. That's why. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I just, I just made the connection. I didn't. Okay. Now I got it now. <laughs> which, so, which connection? The off duty on duty. I, I didn't realize that that yeah. was Brian. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. you didn't recognize my, his radio, radio voice. voice. Yeah. <laughs> hey everybody. <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it's funny, like Warren and I have run around in the same circles yeah. and we always catch each other in passing. Like, Oh, Hey Warren. Hey, hey Brian. Come Tacon and all these different yep. places, and it's like we haven't had the, a face-to-face set down in a minute. So, I've got three potential new guests here. It's awesome. No, I'd love to. I, I love being on someone else's cool. podcast because I don't have to think. That's why I love having thinkers on my podcast, so I can just let them talk. That's what I'm doing right now. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to make sure. Okay, we're going in the right direction, and I might have a good question, and I need to pay attention to what they're saying. But for the most part, that is a great. Just right listening. on. Uh, but I got to go play house host. Uh, Matt, happy to join you whenever my schedule permits. Yeah. Um, so before you take off, yeah, we got, we got two quick things. Uh-huh. I need final thoughts and plugs. So take it away. Final <laughs> thoughts. Uh, don't kick doors after 10. Yeah. Don't chase cars unless they've killed someone. Uh, plugs. EDC belt co that's me, the foundation yeah. belt. I, I do those. Uh, that's, that's like my retirement gig. So buy lots of belts. Thanks. Uh, I, I'm teaching at the guardian conference in OKC, uh, this upcoming weekend for Jacob Paulson and Riley Bowman and concealed carry Inc. Uh, I'm doing a, a, like four, four hour blocks there. I do have an open enrollment, like private training deal, but I don't do nearly as much with it as my bro Warren there does. Uh, he does way more, like he gets out there in the public way more than I do. Uh, yes, I, I do it like, for free. What's that? This is for free. It's oh, all, wow. All the volunteer yeah, I, stuff. I do like two, three open enrollments a year. And if you're lucky enough, when I put it up on Facebook, it sells out in about 30 minutes. And I go, I didn't have to do a lot of logistics. All right. right. Uh, I got EDC belt co uh, I'm about to launch a Patreon because apparently oh, the knowledge I gained from 1911s, like 20 years ago, people want to pay for that crap now. I think I like, said something about that. Yeah. I think you may have been the underlying deal, but you weren't the only one. Good. Good. <laughs> so, uh, I used to do Facebook lives. Those are gone cause I don't have time. So those will probably default to Patreon starting in October sometime. 
Uh, I have a website. It's www.slapthetrigger.com. Not that I do that, but it, it <laughs> for the people that do, it's like, yeah. And the people that don't, it's like, why? So yeah, that that's a good one. Um, what else? Oh, off duty on duty podcast. I have guests like, uh, everybody from like Chuck Haggard to dudes you've never heard of that do expert witness work that you should be tuned into, uh, down to like defensive carrier, like Joe average that just wants to carry a gun. And we talk cop perspective, concealed carrier perspective. So, uh, I do that pretty frequently and, uh, let's see. If you guys buy enough seats to the revolver roundup, Daryl Bulky promised that I would get to teach a block there. Uh, I once upon a time I was a distinguished NRA shooter. That's I, I guess that's cool now. I I didn't know at the time. Uh, yeah, that that's kind of the me in a nutshell. It's a lot of work, and I am a full time cop, not for much longer. Yes. Um, I'm a complete watch nerd, kind of a foodie, a little bit of a coffee snob, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's, that's Brian E in a nutshell. So, uh, cool. I should look a little older now. It's yes. been a couple hours since we last spoke. <laughs> so my, my final thought would be, uh, no matter what, no matter what the policy is, no matter what the law is, yes, we need to know all those things, be intimate with them, intimately, knowledgeable on them but at the same time really the only thing that matters is if you default to doing the right thing default to service you're probably going to be just fine in cop work and for you know regular citizens just know that that's we're regular citizens too yeah. uh, this is civilian law enforcement we are we are just members of the public like david said during the show or will say during the show sorry and uh <laughs> Any plugs that we're going to do? Uh, I am Defensive Training Services. I have a couple of folks, folks that help help me with that, but uh, for the most part, that's me, and we do a little bit of a little bit of firearms training for the public. And uh, Enid Police Department slash careers, <laughs> Enid.org slash careers. We're always hiring. Uh, we start at fifty grand, move up to seventy grand in six years. Very low cost of living, four day work weeks, take home car. It's a good it's a good gig. Dave? If you're doing cop stuff, consider the totality of the circumstances, but don't let that consideration prevent you from acting to save your life or save somebody else's life. Yeah. Like Warren said, do the right thing. If you don't know what the right thing is, maybe you shouldn't do cop work. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of difficult to for people to swallow and it's yeah. difficult yeah. to say to to a point and for people who are not doing cop work be the change you want to see in the world if you don't yeah. like if you don't like the situation of our laws and our governance be the person who organizes the rally the peaceful rally be the person who gets the political action group together be the person who gets the laws changed to something that more appropriately reflects what you believe our society should have as laws. Remember, police officers serve the public. Politicians serve the public. There's, they, there's not a ruling class. They serve us. When I mean politicians, politicians serve us. And we as, as the police 
serve the public. Something to remember. And as far as plugs, uh, I got a little side business called DNA Guns. That's Delta November Alpha Guns. If you like machine guns, we got them. If you got machine guns that need worked on, we got you there too. Again, dnaguns.com, reach out. We got you covered. What was this Bren I saw? Was it semi-automatic Brens that you guys had listed somewhere? Now, now Matt, we don't build semi-automatic machine guns. It's against our religion. Okay. <laughs> I thought I saw on your, on your page someone did uh, that. Uh, Abe may have snagged a couple of semi-auto brands that were previously built. Uh, if he did, I'm not aware of it. Okay. Yeah. That sounds but interesting. I mean, but I mean, we, we have a brand or two of the shop. So, I mean, if you want to shoot yeah. one again, yeah. we got you covered. So, and, and to me, a, a semi-automatic brand makes more sense than a semi-automatic belt fed to me. I mean, brands are interesting guns. They're clunky though. They're heavy. Yes. Yeah. But also, I have a Webley and a what Enfield yeah, right fair. there. So yeah, yeah, they're cool. I like them. Yeah, cool old stuff. Well, that was the episode. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors. But before I say that, I need to say my favorite thing, and that is support those sources that you have found to be beneficial. If you like what these guys had to say, find them on social media. That means Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, all those places. Look for them. If they're saying stuff that you like, give that stuff likes. If you like, and also, yeah, subscribe. If they're providing some stuff that's really helped you or provided a good insight that's helped you figure things out a little better, you should probably share it because it's it's helpful to those that will read it. It's also helpful to the, the providers of that, of those insights. So support those sources that you have found to be beneficial. Um, big thank you to Big Tech's Ordinance, Filster, Primary Arms, Walther. Lastly, big thank you to the Patreon subscribers and the Patreon supporters. We had an awesome video shoot uh, two weeks ago-ish, week and a half ago, whatever it was. Um, lots of guns were shot, lots of ammo was shot. Some great video footage was taken. Uh, I think everyone had a wonderful time. There are still a couple topics that I'm still wanting to cover. So John the Fish Cop and I are probably gonna go and grab a couple guns, a couple optics and some rounds and do some quick videos on them. The life card of all things is one of the things we are actually looking forward to doing videos on. Um, some of the primary arms optics, specific optics, got some, they're very interesting. And I'm really looking forward to kind of testing their limits. Um, a lot of what we did over that, uh, that video shoot also was beating up on the poor Taurus pistols. And uh, I'll give you, uh, if, if by the time this gets released, um, I haven't released the videos on the executive. The executive did awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, we were all impressed with it. So uh, I can't say enough good things about this, this little revolver. Uh, same with the G3. G3 was absolutely fantastic. Um, I do have episodes planned out for next week and the week following. I'm not sure what they are. Uh, now that we have Brian in the mix, there are a couple topics I'm looking forward to bringing up with him. Um, but other than that, we do have 736 different Facebook groups. We have a website at primaryandsecondary.com, a forum at primaryandsecondary.com slash forum, all that information, everything on the YouTube page, everything that we have, that's all for your use. And hopefully it's beneficial to you. Uh, make sure if you haven't already like, 
because this video, you've been here for over two hours going on three. Make sure you've liked it. If you haven't already subscribed, you, you are way overdue. And make sure you share if this has been beneficial. The topics we discussed today are kind of sensitive for some, and they're kind of uncomfortable. Um, you got some real opinions from real police officers who truly want to and truly do serve the community and serve the public. The way the media portrays us is not necessarily accurate. No, it is not accurate. So uh, it's nice to be able to provide these discussions and hopefully it helps people understand what's going on a little better. Uh, we aren't the bad guy. So that's all. We'll talk hey, to Matt. you guys later. Oh, oh wait, Dave. Yes. You, for, you forgot with all the different social media platforms. Don't forget. We have a discord as well. Oh yeah. We have. Oh, so discord has always moving, always going. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's been fun. Uh, it, 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 it has been fun. There's, there's much debauchery, <laughs> but the fun kind, not the tragic kind, the fun yes. kind. And that's one. And one of the benefits <laughs> of being a Patreon subscriber is access to much more of the Patreon right now. If you go into the, our Patreon page as a non-subscriber, you get limited access. If you happen to be a Patreon supporter, you get even more. And then depending on the level you get, or you, you decide to take upon, you'll get even more and more access until you own Patreon or until you own Discord. That's the highest yeah. tier ever. It's like million dollars yearly. You own no. <laughs> no, I'll just stop. I'm just are, are stop. we talking, are we talking about any potential events next year yet? Okay, yes. Um, good question. As of right now, what was it? May 30th, 31st, June 1st training summit i am hoping that's 2023 the the immediate three days prior will be our network appreciation event which ultimately is it's kind of our video shoot and what it is is it's an opportunity for uh patreon and i mean that patreon subscribers to come out and shoot with us and and shoot ammo shoot guns shoot all kinds of stuff um for free if you want to jump in and, and help there might be a, there will be a, a small fee just to cover some stuff because basically, yeah, we got food, we got drinks, we got all kinds of stuff covered and ammo's on us. It is a, an absolute blast. Uh, one of the things I brought up to our level two Patreon subscribers is um, if there are videos that you want to see, or if there are things you want us to specifically cover during that time, let me know. And I'll put it on a list uh, where we could probably produce some videos specifically talking about the topics that you want to see. So that is slanted for 2023. Um, still waiting to hear from some instructors. We have multiple instructors saying that they are in, they're interested. Um, the events or the, the, the pre-event, the network appreciation event, which AKA again, our video shoot, it's just fun. It's fun to hang out and it's at the same exact place. So essentially if you chose to be with us for the entire six days, you would hang out with us at the same place. You'd get to know the facility. And then on the fourth day, all the instructors show up and then we have our classes. And then day four, five, and six is pure instruction, networking, great times. Um, they're just fun. There's just, just great people show up and, and participate with this stuff. So that is all. I'm going to make sure that there are people actually home because I haven't heard any screaming for a while. Yeah. Thanks. We'll talk to you later.